Well, for some of you, you're back in school. For the others of you, schools are coming. And in either case, all the parents said, Amen. and all the students said, <laughs> no, please, Lord, do a miracle. Extend summer vacation, right? Well, we're so glad that, that you're here and a lot of, a lot of great things are happening uh, through the ministries and the outreaches of, of Journey Church. And it's all because you guys are willing to be used, to serve, to be obedient, and to be faithful. And so we're excited that you are part of the family, and we look forward to all that God has in store for us. Well, I, to kind of get us started in our third session on God Says I Am, I want to ask a question. How many of you in here at any point in your life ever played organized sports? Raise your hand. At any point in your life, you ever played organized sports? Okay. So how many of you, those of you that had your hands raised, how many of you, uh, while you played organized sports, played it for at least five years? Raise your hand. Okay, keep your hands up. Just going to kind of see 10 years. Well, some of you, man, 15 years. Wow, we still have some. How many are still playing? Do we have anybody here in the NFL, MLB, or NBA we didn't know about? Well, sports are great, right? And whenever you play those sports, you, you, you hope that you can go to that next level, right? I remember when I was very, very young, I started out in Little League uh, baseball and was pretty good. And at that time, I would bat right-handed, and I would usually have at least a home run every game. Well, in the next section up, they were kind of short players, so I was informed by my coach, and here's how I was told, Randy, you're moving up to the big leagues. Now, in my little, little league mind, I thought I was going to play for the Cincinnati Reds. That's how I thought I was being moved up. I didn't understand it was just to the next level in Little League where the pitching's a little bit faster and so forth. So when I got up to that point, the coach says to me, hey, welcome to the team. There's your place on the bench. And I remember thinking, I didn't want to come up here if I'm just going to sit the bench. And then he said, and before I let you play, you need to learn to hit left-handed but I'm right-handed. Yes, but I want you to be left-handed. So learn. Okay. So I went out and I learned and became left-handed. I said, okay, can I play coach? He goes, not yet. Okay, coach, I met all your requirements. Can I play yet? No. It wasn't until the next year that I was a starter. It wasn't until the next year that I had more playing time, but I was playing and serving and, and doing well. And I thought, you know what? I really think I have a chance of playing in the MLB. But it didn't take long to realize that was not my calling. So I stand before you today not an MLB player. But that was my goal. That was my dream. And I share that story with you because church, sometimes as a church, as a body of Christ, we don't dream. 
We don't dream, we don't share and say, God, I would love to be able to do this for you. We're just kind of content to show up and attend church. We're content to show up, grab our cup of amazing coffee, come in, meet some friends, enjoy the, the comfortable setting, listen to a very talented worship team minister to us, hear a message, and then say, good, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to heaven, I'll see you next week. In our third series that we're going to be looking at, it's going to be on this idea. God says you are gifted. Let that sink in. God says you are gifted. And his spirit provides that. Now, not that you have to do it and you know, work yourself up. And, no, his spirit provides that. His spirit provides the gifting that you need. But church, not one of you, okay, I can say this with full confidence and you'll see this in just a few minutes. Not one of you can say, God hasn't gifted me, so therefore I'm content to set the bench. Now, my coach said to me at one point, sit the bench because I'm not ready for you. Sit the bench, you got to change some things. But God never says to us as his children, sit the bench. Now, sometimes he says, wait before other gifting comes. But he never says, it's okay to just watch from the sidelines. Have you ever heard this phrase? That 10% of the church does 90% of the work. Have you ever heard of that phrase? Do you think that pleases God? Do you ever think God looks down and goes... Man, to the other 90%, way to go. Way to sit back and just watch. No. And, and church, I want, to, I want this message to be one that, that will encourage you, will challenge you, but I hope it'll motivate you to trust God, to get involved, to engage what he's called you to do because he has gifted you. So in order to understand that, we've got to do just a, a brief review, okay? So the first thing that we looked at in our series is this, that God says you're a sinner, but Jesus' blood changes that. Okay, again, that is crucial to remember that all were sinners, all were born sinners, but Jesus' blood can change that. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The second step, what we looked at last week, says that God says you are his child, and Jesus confirms that. So really, the first two messages were sent to give you confirmation and foundation on where you stand in Christ, that you don't have to worry about saying, you know, does God want me? Does God desire me? Does God love me? Yes, yes, and yes. He loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you on the cross. He loves you so much that he says, not only did I die for you, but I have made you my son or my daughter. You are my child. But now comes the third step. Okay, now that we have that foundation, what does that mean? We can just kind of be comfortable? No. The third step is that God gifts you through his spirit to be a blessing. To be a blessing. Catch what I'm about to tell you, and it will help keep this message in right focus. 
God didn't bless you because you are a blessing. God didn't look and go, did, did I just hear right? Did Randy Kelly just get saved? Wow, we are so honored and so blessed to have Randy as part of the family of God. Wow, yeah, give him gifts because we are blessed to have him. Folks, when God saved me, he says, he blessed me by saying, Randy, you're my child. But then he gifts me, he empowers me, he strengthens me so that I can go and be a blessing. Church, I think so many times we struggle with the fact that we think that God has, has favorites. And, and if you come from a family that has other brothers and sisters, you might say, well, they were mom and dad's favorite, right? You ever use that to try to, well, you, of course you would help them because they are your favorite. Church, God doesn't have favorites. He has his children that have been saved by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And he says, therefore, I am equipping you to be a blessing. Now, notice the progression that has taken place. We start out an enemy of God. Then we move to being a child of God. Now we are called to be a blessing. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? If there is no progression, then God doesn't have a plan for your life. And some of you this morning might be saying, you know what, I, I don't understand what God wants. I don't understand what God's trying to do. I just don't get it. Well, can I encourage you? God has a plan for your life because he took you from being an enemy. Now you're a child, and now he says, now I want to work through you to be a blessing. And one of the things that we often get caught up on are the, the different types of gifts. Did you realize that in the New Testament, there are over 21 gifts that are listed that God has given? Now, some of those gifts, I just put a few of them up here, administration, discernment. You can have the ability to discern what people really are trying to do. Uh, exhortation, hospitality, music, pastor, service, teaching. It goes on to tongues and healing and, and all these other things. 21 different types of gifts. Not one of you are gifted in every one of them. He has gifted some of us with only one. He's gifted some of us with two or three. Others are kind of seem like they got extremely gifted. The purpose is not in determining how many gifts you have. The purpose is determining what gifts God has given you and using them for his glory. But you see, sometimes we like to go around and go, <clears throat> yeah, I have this gift, and well, I'm sorry, you don't have that gift. Sometimes you think that you have a gift only to find out you don't. The church that, that I grew up in, I sang in the choir. Now, if you know me now, you say, poor church. But when I was growing up, I thought, man, I think I'm a pretty good singer until I was singing a duet. And I went to my grandfather afterwards and I said, Grandpa, how'd I do? He said, don't ever do that again. <laughs> and I thought, what's, what's his problem? 
Well, Grandpa never lacked for speaking truth. You see, that's not my gift. Now, I could force it, but it's not going to be a blessing. And that's what a gift is supposed to do, is to be a blessing. The gifts that are given, it's important for you to know or have an idea where to start on determining what gift God has given you. That's why when you go through our Next Steps class here at Journey, there's a section that's given towards spiritual gifts. You take a kind of a, an examination type thing, ask questions, and through that it helps to give an understanding of, of what your gift might be. And so we encourage you, if you haven't been through Next Steps yet, please do. Because that's just one of the benefits. There's many, many more, but that's just one where a study is given on the different gifts. But the point is this. It's understanding the purpose and significance of using the gifts correctly. Because you may go out and try to use a gift that's not been gifted to you. And instead of being a blessing, you'll be a bother. You'll be a hindrance. But on the other side, you may have a gift, but if you use that gift and you use it in the wrong way for the wrong purpose, it'll cause you to sin. It would be like if I did have the gift of music and I could sing well, and afterwards you guys would come up, but man, that was such a blessing. Your voice is so great. All of a sudden I'm like, it is, isn't it? Hey, I want to sing next Sunday so I can hear that again. See, now I've made the music about me rather than about the Lord. You can do that as a pastor. You can do that with hospitality. You can do that with any of the gifts where it becomes about you instead of Christ. So today, church, I'm going to give you a ton of scripture because remember, it's about what God says but I'm gonna give you a ton of scripture to see what God says about his gifts, okay? So the first thing is this, spiritual gifts are given to encourage faith. It's not given, it is not given to encourage performance. It is given to encourage faith. Romans 1 says this. By the way, Romans 1, this is the first mention in the New Testament about spiritual gifts. Just a little tidbit for you. For I long to see you, Paul says, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, we know Paul had the gift of apostleship. The Lord had called him to be an apostle. That's one of the gifts. And so, because he was an apostle, he says, when I come to you, I want to share some of my gift with you so that you can be encouraged and I can be as well. It's not so that you guys can be impressed and be like, you know, I think Paul is my favorite apostle. I love how some of the churches tried to impress Paul and say, hey, we're so thankful we follow you. And he goes, I'm so glad I didn't baptize any of you. You say you're of Cephas and you're of that. Man, we're all of Christ. What do you mean? You're not of me. You're of Christ. Paul understood the significance of the gift. 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says this, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Here it is, church. Let all things be done for building up. Let all things. I told you at the beginning of this series, all was going to be a very important word. Just to remind you the definition, all means all, and that's all all means, right? So everything that we do in the name of Jesus Christ should be done to build up. It should not be, hey, look at me. It should not be, well, here's what I think. No, it should all be done to build up. Now, that word build up simply means to strengthen or to grow. Now, let's just stop here and ask a quick question. What are you doing to help strengthen other people in their faith? What are you doing to grow others in their walk with Christ? That's what your gift is. If you're just kind of saying, man, I'm just trying to survive, I'm just trying to get through, you're missing out because God has gifted you to help others be strengthened and to build up. Galatians 5, and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. See, Randy, why is that so important? Because remember, these are the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, by the way, did you notice fruit is singular? So you can't say, oh, well, uh, I have love, so I've got the fruit of the Spirit. No, the fruit of the Spirit all of these things should be present in your life, not just one. Best way I can describe it to you is like this. When you peel an orange, is it just one big solid fruit? No, it has different sections, right? You take and you peel it apart. Could you imagine if one part of that orange was missing, how it changes the appearance of the orange? In order to have an orange, you have to have all the sections. In order to have the fruit of the Spirit, all these things ought to be evidenced in your life. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, every day is a sunshine day, but it means that every day you're seeking to follow the Spirit so these things are evidenced in your life. When faith is encouraged, fruit abounds. So let me ask you a question twofold. One, this fruit, is it true in your life? As you look at your life right now, not how you want it to be, but how it is, would you say the fruit of the Spirit describes your life? If not, you need to get that right. You need to start following the Spirit. But if you say, yeah, Randy, that, I, I believe it is. Okay, second part of that question is this. What are you doing to invest that in others to help them grow where they experience the same thing? That's what he's talking about. When our faith is encouraged, fruit abounds. Not staleness, but fruit the second thing is this, spiritual gifts are different because the tasks and needs are various. Now, have you ever hurt your big toe? Maybe you got up in the middle of the night and stumbled over something and kicked it, maybe even broke your toe. You realize how much you use your big toe to walk when you can't use it. And you're kind of walking weird, you know, and by like, what's wrong with you? Oh, I stumped my toe. Well, you normally don't walk that way. Yeah, that's right, because my big toe normally is working like it should. We don't realize 
how magnificently our body works together as a whole. But if you don't believe me, take any portion of your body and try to restrict it and see how it affects your life. Walk around with just one eye closed the whole time and notice what you see that you don't realize that you see. Walk around and have one arm up like this and see how much you actually use that arm. Do you see what I'm saying? The whole body God designed to work together. Church, we are called the body of Christ. He has many, many tasks that need to be done. And so therefore, he has equipped you and he's equipped me with different gifts so that the whole task can be met. Romans 12, 6 says it to us this way. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith. There's that faith again, the significance. So what he's saying is this. Whatever gift God's given you, understand he gave it to you, use it. Use it. You say, well, I just don't think it makes that big of a difference. It does. About a week ago, had somebody come to Journey for the first time. So this one's to our folks that work first-time guests. They came in the door, and they said, when we came in the door, we knew something was different because the people that greeted us were joyful and excited, and we knew there was something different about this place. Could you imagine if we had somebody that did not have the gift of hospitality, working first-time guests? As soon as you walk in the door, what do you want? I don't think people would feel welcomed. Or if people came in and they said, hey, glad to see you. It's been a rough week for me myself. I don't know what your week's been like, but I really didn't want to be here today, but it was my week to serve, so here I am. So, hey, glad to see you. You see, something as simple as hospitality makes a huge difference. If we don't understand that, then it's to say, you know what? My big toe doesn't matter. My thumb doesn't matter. One of my eyes doesn't matter. God has given to us different gifts because there's different tasks to be done. If we don't use them, then that doesn't get met. How many of you would your worship experience today be different if we didn't have a J Littles and a J Kids? Some of you wouldn't even know what was happening because your small one would be all over the place. Your child would be sitting there running up and down the aisles. You see, everything has a purpose. It has significance. And, and Paul's saying here in Romans, use your gift. Use it according to your faith. Let, as your faith grows, so does your gift. But use it. The gift is given by God. It's not selected by you. It's given by God. So you're not responsible for the gift given, but what you are responsible for is using it. Did you use it for the glory of God? Did you use it so people saw Christ in you? 1 Corinthians 7, 7 says this, I wish that all were as I myself am. Now here, Paul's talking about being single, Okay. But really what he's saying is, if we were comparing our life and God used Paul to write over half the New Testament, 
He used Paul to reach people in different continents and different cities. We would look and go, yeah, I want to be like Paul. I, I want to follow him. But he goes, no, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. You see, it may not go like the way you want it to. It may not be as significant as you think it should be. But God says, one has one kind, one has another. But the purpose or the point is this, God gave it to you. You are no more valuable or less valuable to God because of the gift. If God has given you the gift of service and you are using that for the glory of God, listen to me, church, you are just as valuable as the worship team or as me or as anybody else because you're using the gift God's called you to. The enemy tries to come in and go, oh, well, God has favorites. No, he doesn't. He just gives to different people different gifts because he knows where he needs them and what needs to take place. You see, when we understand that, it keeps us from focusing on the gifts don't miss this, and we look at the giver of the gifts. Lord, bless me however you want. God, gift me however you want, but it comes from you. I'm just going to give it back to you. I'm just going to use it for your glory. That's what God is looking for. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There it is. I would encourage some of you that are kind of struggling with these things in your mind, take that passage of scripture and meditate on it for a while because there's the purpose. Let me show you how it works. First off, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers, okay? That's showing the gifts. If we can go back to that, that other slide, thank you. He gave those, there's the gifts. That's not all the gifts, that's just some of the gifts. So there it is. What's the purpose? So we would remember them, no. For the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So there's, there's their function, right? The work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. That's what we're supposed to be doing. To what extent? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. There it is. Until we know Jesus as we should. And in case you say, well, I think I know Jesus pretty well, okay? He drops down at the end to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Do you know everything about Jesus? Well, no, then keep going. You can't sit there and go, well, I think I've used my gift enough. I think enough people have heard. It's like we can retire from Christian service. And, and maybe you found yourself saying this. I've been doing this for five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30 years, however long. Okay, let's give the test if we can quit. Does everybody know everything about Jesus? No, then we need to keep going. As if there is term limits 
to our service for God. We keep going, we keep serving, we keep allowing God to work through us through the gift that he's called us to until all know. And when does that happen? When we're in his presence. Now, guess what? My daughter is 19 years old. She'll be 20. She's a junior at Western Carolina University. We dropped her off yesterday. Did we leave with this kind of conversation? All right, Anna, you're a junior now. In a couple weeks, you'll be 20. You're no longer a teenager. Your mom and I have done our job. Live long and prosper, and we left. Is my responsibility as a dad now over? No. Will it be over when she gets married and has a family of her own? No. As long as God gives me breath, I will always be her dad. As long as God gives us breath, church, he expects us to use the gifts that he has blessed us with to bless others, to build them up in their faith and their knowledge of him. Now, look at this thought. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers have different functions, right? But one mission, build up the faith. Going back to 1 Corinthians 14, 26, the whole purpose, pastors aren't evangelists, right? You've heard the story about evangel evangelists can come in, double shotgun it, give you the full force, and then leave. The pastor's left to clean up everything. We all have different functions in the body of Christ, but the purpose, the mission is one, and that is to build up the faith. 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 15 says this, do not neglect the gift you have. Okay. Does everyone have a gift? We've already seen it, but this is yes. You might have more than one, but every one of you has a gift. Paul's telling Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy where the council of elders laid their hands on you. Here's the, here's the point we need to take for our life. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. If I could take a glimpse of you from August 18th, 2018, and compare it to you today, August 18th, 2019, exactly one year later, what would the difference be? And some of you may say, well, I have a little more or a little less hair. I have a little more or a little less weight. You might have a new job. You might have an addition to your family. But where would you be in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Where would you be in the use of your gift that he's given you for his glory? Has it grown? Are you practicing it? Are you immersing yourself in it? Can others see your progress? Or would they say, I don't see any change. I don't see any difference. Can your spouse see a difference? Can your children see a difference? You see, church, we can't just play games. We can't just play around with the idea and go, well, I'll just try to do it. Well, I feel really spiritual today. I don't feel so spiritual next week. 
Lives hang in the balance. God wants to use you to be a blessing to others. God wants you to use you to help build up their faith. It's not a game. It's not a, well, let's just see what happens. It is of eternal significance. But here's the point. I look back, and Kathy and I have had this discussion, and I've shared with you the struggle of when God called me to preach, how God and I went round and round, so I'm like, Lord, surely there are other people more qualified than I. Surely, Lord, my gifting is not that. I don't, I hardly even know any verses, God. Why would you want to use me? And I look back, and if I would have continued to argue with God and finally said, no, God, not going to do it, I miss out on the blessings that God has brought into my life because I was obedient to him and followed his gifting. Does that make sense? It's not just a matter of being like some overworked employee. No, it, I'm missing out on the blessing that God sends through me to be able to pour out to others. And you miss out on that. And I don't want anybody to miss out on that. So how do you do it? You practice, you immerse yourself in it. If you coach a sport, do you ever tell the kids, hey, listen, don't worry about playing this when we're not practicing. Don't even touch the ball. Just enjoy life. We'll pick it up next practice. Would you ever tell an athlete that? Teachers, when your students come back, do you ever say to them, hey, listen, when you guys go home at night, turn your brains off. Just quit thinking. It's not important. We'll pick it up tomorrow. No, what do you tell them? Practice, immerse yourself in it, right? Get involved. When they were talking to the freshmen that are coming to Western for this year, they said, how, how are you successful at Western Carolina? Here's what they told them. Get involved. And church, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, is saying to us as his body, as his hands and feet on this earth, Get involved. Don't miss out. Don't believe the, the lie of the enemy that says that you're not as important as somebody else, that you're not gifted, that you have no purpose, that you have no value. He says you have all the value. You have all the foundational truth that you need. Get involved and grow. Practice and use the gift God gave us because there's a need to fill. There is somebody there that needs to have you investing in their life, to have you speaking truth into their life, to have you show the way to righteousness. You are needed. And church, I can't emphasize that enough. You are needed. One of the things that we do in the Next Steps class is we allow the young people to get involved. Once they grow out of J-Kids, they're Welcome to get involved. And had somebody say to me one time, isn't that too young to get them involved? No wonder we miss out because we don't give our young people opportunity to use their gifts. To get involved. We say, wait till you get a little older. Wait. Finally, when they get older, then we say, hey, don't you want to be involved? Guess what their response is? Not now. You've already steered me in another direction. Parents, just a, a, a quick challenge to you. Encourage your kids to use their gifts. 
If they're children of God, if they've accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, guess what? They have a gift. Encourage them to get involved and not just come to church, but to be the church. All right, number three. Here funnels it down so we don't miss the significance of the gifts. Spiritual gifts are always to point to Jesus. That's what gives the unity. It's not to point to a particular mission of the church, a particular function of the church. It's given to point to Jesus. That's the unity. It's not that we just agree to get along. We agree because we're going in the same direction. Now, yesterday, we were coming back from Western. We are traveling on I-40 East. And guess what? Traffic was going smoothly. Why? We're all going the same direction. Some are going a little faster than others, but we're all going the same direction. I-40 West, just this side of Winston-Salem, there was a car that started out facing west, but for some reason, don't know if a hydroplane, because we ran through some pretty severe storms, don't know if hydroplane or what, but for some reason, that car was now facing back towards I-40 East. Guess what? Traffic was backed up for miles. Why? Not everybody was heading the same direction. You see, if we don't agree that we're working and blessing to point people to Jesus, then pretty soon it's like this. Wait a minute, I don't feel like I'm being noticed. I, I just See, now I'm going the wrong direction. We all have to come back and be refocused and be like, well, what's the purpose of this? And that purpose is Jesus. 1 Corinthians 12 gives it to us this way, verses 3 through 6. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Let me stop here for just a second because we need to understand this truth. The body of Christ is not just journey church, right? The body of Christ is anyone who the blood of Jesus Christ covers, right? So we're not in competition with other churches. We're not saying Journey Church is the only church that exists that brings glory to God, because that is not true. Now remember, we're talking about unity, and we're talking about making sure we're all going the same way. Here's where the enemy gets us in a traffic jam. Well, let me tell you about that ministry over there. Yeah, they say this, and they say that. Notice what Paul just said, and understand this. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one, speaking in the Spirit of God, ever says Jesus is accursed. So if somebody ever gets up and says, Jesus is a liar, okay, that's saying he's accursed, he is not of God, then that is never, ever, ever okay, all right? But here's what I want you to notice the second part. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Church, if people are pointing to Jesus Christ as the only way to salvation, if people are pointing to Jesus as the only way, as the Lord, as the Son of God, Paul says that's Holy Spirit done. 
Why do we get into the argument of trying to fight what their intention is? Because he says, no one ever says that unless the Spirit calls them. We spend so much time as children fighting over who's more right and who's more wrong. As the body of Christ, we need to come together and say, let's point to Jesus. Let's point to Jesus. Let's stick to his word, but let's point to Jesus. And it's not about who's more right and who's more wrong. That's like saying this, mom, dad, which one of us do you love more? That's a worthless argument because any parent's supposed to love their kids the same, right? When we understand that, now that leads us to the next part. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Let's go back to that previous screen, please. Thank you. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Did you guys see the Trinity there? Look at it again. Do you see the Trinity? Here we go. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. That's Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God. That's God the Father. In using our gifts that he has given to us, you see empowered the total essence and presence of God himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all put in together through the gifts. And notice this, empowers them all in everyone. Do you have a gift? Absolutely, because God empowers it in you. Various gifts, but one Jesus to be exalted. They say, well, Randy, why doesn't God give me the gift of music? I would love to get up on that stage and just worship him where it would help others. Why doesn't God call me to preach? Why doesn't God call me to heal? Why doesn't God call me whatever gift you, you think would be great? Because church, sometimes we can't handle that gift. Lucifer, who was the angel of light, was in the presence of God every single second. The greatest angel created by God. And he saw all the worship and all the glory that God received. And he said, why can't I get some of that? I'm right here with God. I'm his instrument. I'm affecting some of this result. Why don't I deserve some glory? And it led to pride, which caused him to be kicked out of heaven. Church, the Lord knows what we can and cannot handle. He gives to us gifts with which we can bless with rather than be cursed with. When we understand that, we say, okay, Lord, you know me. You created me. You designed me in every way. You know what gifts work best with my temperament, with my abilities. So, Lord, whatever that gift is, I will use it for your glory. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13 says this, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, your big toe is just as important as your hand, right? So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one 
spirit. Do you see that unity? How does it come? From us all behaving ourselves? No, from us all pointing to Christ and following the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. By the way, church, that's why he gave us his spirit. Because our flesh couldn't follow him. Our flesh wants to do its own thing. Our flesh says, hey, look at me. But his spirit says, hey, see Jesus. So his spirit is there to guide us. And when we often sing the song here about following the spirit of God, if you say no, then I don't want it. If you say go, then I'll go. Following the leading of the Holy Spirit because you understand that's what God desires. Various people receive gifts, but there's only one body. Eager to maintain the spirit, eager to maintain what God has given to us, eager to maintain that unity in the spirit in the bond of peace. Notice that fervency, eager. Now, for those of you that class has already started, are you eager to get up in the morning? Are you there at five o'clock in the morning going, all right, mom, dad, let's go. School's awaiting. And most time parents have to go in, but all right, wake up, let's go, come on. But you ever notice how that changes when it's what we want to do? Our 16th birthday, we get our permit. What happens? All right, mom, dad, let's go. I got to get to the DMV. Christmas morning, Mom and dad trying to sleep in, one of their only days off from work. Kids come down five o'clock in the morning. Hey, what you guys doing? Sleeping all day? Let's get up. Eager. There's a reason. There's an excitement. Church, why can't we be eager about the things of God? Why can't we be eager about following the Spirit in unity rather than, oh, well, if that's what I have to do? The unity of the Spirit. One body, one spirit, one flesh, one baptism, one God, all of that, one. Not two, not three, but one. First Peter 4.11 says it to us this way. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Church, ever keep that before you in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. Through using the gifts, God is glorified through Jesus. Why? Because we're his body. See how that works? But there's something I think that's often forgotten with spiritual gifts, and that's love. You say, Randy, is that, that's kind of weird, love. Well, if you go back to Galatians 5.22, it says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Love's the very first one listed. Why is love so important? Well, because love is the greatest way to spiritual gifts. When you love God as you should, then you're ready to receive those blessings, those giftings. When you love others as God loves them, then you see the purpose of those gifts is to help encourage them, help them to grow. Love is that vehicle that holds it all together. But it's even put together for us in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 12, 31, it says this, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, okay, the gifts that came before, 
He's gone through in chapter 12 and dealing with the gifts pretty extensively. But then he says, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Well, what is that? Well, that brings us to 1 Corinthians 13, okay? Love is described as a more excellent way than signs. What does that look like? Well, in 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 through 3, it says, if I speak in the tongues of men. Now, why is it, church, that we often, when we think of gifts, we think of tongues? We say, do you speak in tongues? Do you speak in tongues? Well, I don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit because I've seen people misuse tongues. Okay, now again, we're getting back to what God says. But tongues is one of those things that people have often focused on. And I think partly because of Pentecost, right, that each man heard the gospel in his own tongue, in his own language, and it's something that people can hear and actually see, so we get focused on it. So Paul, very first one he deals with, says this, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. It is not a blessing. That's what it means, by the way. Clanging cymbal or a noisy gong. If I just got up here and just took cymbals and just kept banging them together, you would not sit there and go, that was a great blessing. You say, please stop. See what Paul's saying? He says, and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, I mean, could you imagine what it would be like if you went to one of the mountains on the Appalachian Trail, let's just say Grandfather Mountain. We're pretty familiar with that one. And you got up there and say, hey guys, watch this. Grandfather Mountain, I want you to move 100 feet to your right. Go. And the mountain moved. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? But why did you do it? What purpose did it go? Well, everybody would know not to mess with me. That's not the purpose. But Paul said, "If I, because remember what Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, move, and it will. The power exists. Listen to me. The power exists when the need is there. Jesus walked on water. But folks, when's the last time you needed to walk on water? You see what I'm saying? A lot of times we want to do it to kind of, that'd be so cool. It's not the purpose of the gifts. So Paul said, I could do that, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give away all that I have and deliver it, my body be burned. That's the gift of martyr. You don't hear many people asking for that gift, but it is. But have not love, I gain nothing. If he had all the gifts and all those wonders, Paul said, but I didn't have love, I'd have nothing. But then he gives us the summary of that right after all of the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. He gives it to us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, and he says this, pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gift, especially that you may prophesy. See, it's okay to pursue the gifts, but before you do that, pursue love. Pursue love precedes desire spiritual gifts. Now, let me ask you a question. Remember we said that the gifts are meant 
to be a blessing. The gifts are meant to fill a need. When I go to a hospital to visit someone that's there that's sick, do I go just so that I'm seen? Do I go so that people can say, hey, uh, Jared, while you were in the hospital, did Pastor Randy come and see you? Yeah, he did. Okay, good. He's doing his job. Check that off. Or do I do it because I see Jared hurting and sick and say, Jared, let's, let's seek God? Because isn't God the great physician? You see, sometimes when we think of the gift of healing, we think of people that kind of come down and they just kind of do this. Hey, if you want to be healed, come on down. It's like the price is right. That's not what the healing is for. The healing is done out of love for others, for them to be able to say, what does God want? Just like in James 5, if any of you are sick, let him come before the elders, anoint with oil and pray over him. Why, what you're saying is, God, my life is in your hands. Whatever you desire, but I'm giving it all to you. Because he says you have not because you ask not. You see, when I preach, do I preach so that we can say, hey, we have this many people that come to journey. How many people do you have? That is the wrong motive. That is the wrong motive. It ought to be, I want you guys to know about Jesus Christ. I want you to know about the truth of his word. I want you to know what it's like to be in a deep, loving relationship with the one who gave himself for you. That's why I exercise the gift of preaching. When you serve, when you're hospitable, when Kathy and I have folks to our house, do we do it so that maybe you'll write into our state magazine and say, hey, we went and had supper at the Kelly's and it was amazing. No, we do it because we want to encourage you in your faith to let you know that you're not walking alone. You see, church, I think this is how we got it wrong. And I'm not just talking about journey. I'm talking about church as a whole. We've made church about us, how I feel, what I think, how successful am I, how good am I, instead of saying, I'm saved, the blood of Jesus has cleansed me from my sin, I'm a child of God, and guess what? My Father wants to work through me, through his Spirit, to show you Jesus Christ. Church, what would happen if we got to that point? What would happen if we got to the point where we just said, we want you to see Jesus? What would happen if we didn't just say it? What would happen if we lived it? What an impact it would make. Because Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. That's the purpose of the gifts. Church, every one of you has been given a gift. Some of you have more than one. I'm not gonna focus on what gift you have. Here's what I'm gonna focus on. Are you using it? I don't wanna be content to be 10% of the people or doing 90% of the work. Here's what I want. I want 100% of the people doing 100% of the work. Because when that happens, all of you are being obedient to what he's called you to. 
All of you are saying, God, use me as a vessel that you can bless through to bless others and show them you. Church, I long for the day when journey, but I long for the day when journey with other churches in our community and in our nation and in our world all join together and to say, by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we declare Jesus is Lord. And when we do that, we're using our gifts for his glory. I pray you desire the same. He's called you. He's gifted you. Church, now the choice is, will you use it? Father, thank you for the truth of your word today. Father, we doubt sometimes that you want to use us. We doubt sometimes that you have a plan or a purpose for us. We, we just stay idle because we're not sure. I pray that, Father, today would be the day that we would trust what you say and that you have gifted every one of your children to be used for your glory. You have gifted each one for you to bless through and to show Jesus Christ through each of your children. So, Father, help us today to answer that call. Help us to say, yes, Lord, here I am. In whatever way you want to use me, I will do it for your glory because my focus is Jesus. And it's in his name we ask it, amen. Church, the call is simple. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we invite you today to accept him as your Lord and Savior, to confess your sin to him and ask him to apply his blood to you. But church, if you're here and you are saved, you are a child of God, then I encourage you. Are you using your gift for him? Are you willing today to say, Lord, in whatever way, in whatever capacity, to whatever extent, Lord, here I am. I yield myself to you. Use me for your glory. Use my life to declare Jesus is Lord. Use my life to be a blessing to others because I want to love them as you love them. If that's your call today, if that's your reply, then I encourage you where you're at, or I encourage you to come to this place as the worship team sings the first song. Will you be spirit-led? Will you yield and say, yes, Lord, use me? During the second song, the usher team will come and pass the buckets. And please, if this is your first time here, we did not try to trick you to get money. We wanted you to hear about Jesus. So please feel free to let the bucket pass. Church, God says, Jesus' blood is for you. God says, when you accept that, you are his child. God says, you are gifted. What will you do about what God says?